Colton Thomason, come on up here and read our scripture for us. He is a junior at the Claiborne Christian. He loves music. I understand makes a little bit of music and skateboards. I was tempted with the stairs to have a skateboard demonstration. I thought it would have been great. I wanted to outdo uh, David's uh, yo-yo demonstration, but we, you know, I didn't want to show out too much. I know you could have pulled it off, though, right? Down those stairs, you could have done that? Maybe. Maybe? <laughs> well, I've fallen down them before, so uh, read us our scripture for today here, brother. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate it very, very much. All right, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 15. You know, uh, you know when, you, when you take pictures, some people have that ability, and I guess part of it's the equipment, I'm sure, to take a picture of something that uh, uh, is so narrowly focused and it just brings out every little bit of beauty in it, you know, like a particular kind of flower or a certain type of thing. It's very specific in a context. You have that type of thing. Uh, then you have those that can somehow pull things out and they can get a focus or a view that's broad. That encompasses a whole lot and you can kind of see the uh, melody, if you will, of the whole picture. You can kind of see how it's all tied together. Well, sometimes preachings like that, you can take one story, like, uh, like this story of the rich young ruler in this particular case, or the children, or the blind man, or Zacchaeus. You can take every one of those and narrowly focus and get a lot of good stuff and dig a lot out of it, which is typically what happens when people preach through these, through these texts. But, uh, but today, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, want a big, I want a bigger focus to see how they're all tied together. There's a thread, if you will, that runs through the book of Luke, tying everything about the kingdom of God and Jesus and is and headed to Jerusalem and what all that means. And so he's, he's doing this with every inter- encounter he has with people. Uh, and so if you want to think of it as a thread running through these stories, tying them all together, or if you want to think of it as a song that has a melody that has ups and downs and it has contrasts of sounds and those kinds of things to come out to be one particular piece of something beautiful that God has, that has made there for us to listen to. That's kind of the idea behind how I want to uh, do this text today. So I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but... Uh, that's what we're going with. We'll take that broader view today. And one of the things we're going to learn that Jesus consistently teaches as he has this encounter with people is that the values of the kingdom of God are different than the values of the world. Matter of fact, he's going to turn the values of the world, he's going to turn those things upside down. He's going to, he's going to say things like, if you want to be first, you've got to be what? Last. I never wanted to be last, but I've got to learn to want to be last, right? And if you want to be greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be what? 
servant of all. And he who exalts himself, that's not a good thing. But those who humble themselves, they're the ones that will be exalted. And so all these things he's been teaching the disciples all along the way. Now look, this was even, you even find this at the very beginning of the book. Uh, just flip over before we read this Luke 18. I want to flip over to Luke chapter 1. When Mary does her song. And uh, so Mary's singing, uh, glorifying the Lord. And in, in uh, verse uh, 51... She says about God, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Now look here, because you're going to see what she says worked out in the text. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Proud like a rich young ruler. Uh, proud like a Pharisee standing and praying. I'm glad I'm not like that pagan over there. She's going to scatter them. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry, the poor and hungry. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those that hunger. Uh, he filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. See, in our story, you're going to see a rich guy go away. Very sad. Very empty. He's helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful. So even in her song, she kind of uh, asked some things about that that run as a theme to the whole book of Luke. So let's uh, turn back to uh, Luke 18 and let's do a little bit of reading. Now, in this section of Scripture I'm dealing with today, you have, you have children, you have a rich ruler, you have uh, the disciples' responses, you have a blind man, and then you have a short guy who climbs a tree. Everybody knows that is Zacchaeus. He's got to be one of the most popular guys in the Bible because everybody always knows who, who he is. So how do all those encounters tie together here to make sense of what Jesus has going It all comes down to this idea of who's really fit for the kingdom of God. When we talk about somebody coming into the kingdom of God or having eternal life or, or uh, living for the kingdom, what does that mean and what does that look like? Well, here's what he says. Verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. Now when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, get it? Belongs to such as these. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter. Now these disciples, the disciples, they're like me. They're a little slow to learn. Because just in a few chapters earlier, you don't have to turn, I'll just read it to you. In Luke chapter 9, they have an argument about who will be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus says, who, he takes a kid, takes a little child. And Jesus said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you will be the greatest of all. He just told him a couple of chapters earlier. If you welcome this child, you're welcoming me. 
And then what do I do? They get to chapter 18. The moms and uh, parents are bringing the babies up there to, to where Jesus could bless them and touch them. And the disciples are like, no, they're, I mean, they're focused on like getting to Jerusalem. They're focused on other people. They're like, uh, no, 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 get, get those kids out of here. Get those kids out of here. What, what, don't you just remember? If you don't receive them, you don't receive me. You wonder if Jesus ever just scratched his head and said, uh, how many times am I going to have to tell these guys this? Now, one thing about children back in that particular culture, it wasn't like today. Uh, children were seen as part of the marginalized people. High infant death rate, uh, it wasn't like everybody was always proud of their children. They had no value economically. They didn't really provide anything to push you forward to, to success. And so the Romans area and culture around them during this time, it, it wasn't like a, a great, necessarily great thing to have a bunch of kids around. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, they're just marginalized. They're not that valuable. Get, get them out of the way because I got bigger. Matter of fact, Think about it this way. This could be the conversation. The disciples are there. They're with Jesus. They're headed, they know, to Jerusalem. And they've got a bunch of people around. And all of a sudden, these parents are bringing these kids up. And they're like, hey, hey, hey John, can you get the kids away? Because, hey, look, we got a rich young ruler over there. And he knows his Bible. And I'm telling you, he's a great prospect. He's wealthy. I could see him being a deacon or an elder in a, in, I mean, in a short amount of time. We need this guy. Can you get these out? Because we need to talk to him. Hey, God, don't, hey, don't run off now. We're, we're going to get to you. There's no indication that the context changed here anyway. The, the paragraph headings in there are, come from us, not God. So here are the disciples. They're refusing the children and don't see a value for Jesus spending time with them. Even though Jesus said, if you don't receive them, you, you don't receive me. And so he... he Intimately attaches and links receiving the kingdom of God with receiving children. He links this thing together. Well, the rich young ruler standing there listening, watching that, and seeing all that. Hearing Jesus say something about the kingdom of God. So what does he say? He jumps in the conversation. Well, good teacher, uh, t- tell me, what, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, uh, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. He, he, he knew that uh, the teacher's kind of playing up to him a little bit. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Now he just gives a few of them, right? It's interesting, Jesus picks the ones he knows the guy's already doing. Did you ever get that? How many commandments were there? How many did he pick? The back five. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. 
When Jesus heard this, he said to him, Well, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus took him back to the first few commandments that he didn't mention. About, you shall have no other God before me. And then Jesus does this masterful thing. He puts his finger, he puts his finger right on the spot for the guy who knows what's, uh, that he knows is keeping him from the kingdom, his wealth. Now he's not saying everybody that comes to the kingdom has to sell everything and give to the poor. It's not about that. That's not the lesson. The lesson is about what this guy won't give up for the kingdom. Now some of you have that one thing, right? Or you, Hopefully you had that one thing. But maybe some of you still have that one thing. That Jesus comes along and puts his finger on and says, that's it. And you go away sad because you know... you. Now, he didn't have to go away sad. He could have went away glad. He could have said, I'll make that decision right now and I'll follow you. I'll do that. But he doesn't do it. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for a rich, the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then those who heard this said, Well, who can be saved? So what's that tell you about their viewpoint? If this guy who's keeping all these commandments in this great way and has been successful in life, if he can't make it, Man, who can? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. See, what that rich young ruler found out that it was impossible for him to keep all the commandments and be right with God. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. He thought he kept a bunch of them really well. And he did. And there's some of us in this room. You've kept some commandments and you've kept them really well. But what we haven't understood is that keeping them really well does not put us in favor with God. It makes us look good religiously to the world around us. But Jesus is turning the values of the kingdom and the values of the world upside down. You get it? He's saying, look, you got to be like that child. A child is totally receptive to being fed and grown. And a child is helpless and that infant can't do anything to make himself grow. He's totally dependent on somebody else. And this man has been totally dependent on himself and on his own action and on his own religion. And he's not willing to just say, okay, I'll be like, I'll get, make myself totally receptive to whatever you feed me, Jesus, and take me where you want me to be. I want to be your child. And he went away sad. Well, then the disciples... It's interesting, their response. Peter said, Hey, we left all. 
and we're following you. So Peter's feeling for you. He's like, what you just told that guy? We did that. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus said to him, no, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, there's that word again, will fall to will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. If you want to have a future, you've got to be present-minded about what Jesus is about. So Jesus looks at the twelve and he says to them, We're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. And he'll, he'll be handed over to the uh, Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he'll be raised again. And the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. They're following him. They're trying but to some degree, they're blinded even in the midst of their journey with Jesus. Now, you would think if you got to spend every day with him, you'd be really all clear about what he wants you to do. But they kind of just keep getting in the way of themselves, you know. They just kind of keep blundering along. Well, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man sitting by the roadside, and he, he's begging. He heard the crowd going by, and, and they said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Somehow or another, this blind guy understood who that was because he says, Jesus, son of David. He calls out that title. Son of David, and have mercy on me. And he called, he called out to Jesus with those words. Those who led the way... Those who led the way, who do you think that might be including? You think some of the disciples might be a part, part of that, leading the way? Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. You know, is it, are you never going to get it that when someone's bringing people to Jesus, you don't step in and say, uh, no, no, don't, don't, they, they, they can't see Jesus right now. Don't let them. We got better things to do. We got to get on the road. There's blind people and sick people all over around here. And I mean, we'll be here all day long. Let's go. They rebuked the guy. But I like this guy. He's bold. He just shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight, followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they praised God too. If you had left it up to the guys that were leading, and probably some of the disciples, if you had left it up to them, there would have been a missed opportunity for a man to have his eyes open, be healed, and express his faith, and give God glory. Now, anybody in here want to volunteer to stop that from happening? So the next time you think that guy doesn't deserve to be talked to, we don't need to mess with him. Those are the marginalized in life. Those are the people that are down in the world. we got more successful people to deal with. Isn't this the whole thing from Mary's song? He's going to scatter the proud and the rich are going to come up empty. But those that are poor and those that are hungry, they're going to be fed and they're going to be filled. See, he's about getting to the humble 
and getting to the helpless and getting to the heathen. Those are the folks that he's wanting to be around. And uh, the disciples are just having a little hard time learning it. I think I have a little hard time learning it myself. So then they enter Jericho and they're passing through and there's a man named Zacchaeus and he's a chief tax collector and he's wealthy. Now, a tax collector was a guy that was looked down on. I mean down on by society. They didn't want him coming to the temple. They didn't want him having anything to do. The courts didn't want him testifying. They, there was a big negative thing about a tax collector. Because he was taking advantage of all the poor people and everybody else in town that he could to get money. And he built his own wealth off the poverty of other people. Well, that's old Zacchaeus. He's evidently... a short guy and uh, he wanted to see Jesus though he'd heard something about him and the crowd's coming through so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way now I got a couple of theories about why he climbed the tree one the crowd ain't letting him up front they don't care for a tax collector anyway. You think I'm giving you, you know, and you got a best friend. He might give you uh, what we used to call ups or fronts. Hey, hey, man, can you give me? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was in the airport the other day and uh, uh, we were flying uh, out of Philadelphia and there was a big line. It's Thanksgiving weekend, you know, busiest time in the world. Why did I choose to be in an airport then? I don't know, but I did. And so we're in this big line, and, and, and some guys come running up like they're late or whatever, a couple, like one or two. And so they, they break in line, they get, I'm like, you know, it, it really bothered me. The justice part of me wanted to just do something about that. And then the common sense part of me said, now Mike, I, you've done the same thing before, hadn't you? And so, uh, so I had to, calm down, it's okay. So, and then, but next thing I know, they're looking back, and they're waving, to a bunch of their buddies, uh, family, and they're all saying, come, come on. So by the time we got, the whole crew has come under line, under, under the deals and whatever, and all gotten in line. And, uh, and I thought, I am not getting upset about this. They're not going to steal my joy here Thanksgiving. What I care. I got plenty of time. Maybe they're about to miss the flight and, and I started to say something once, but I heard them talking to each other in a language I didn't understand, so I thought, well, that ain't going to be too good. Uh, so, uh, patience, waiting. Why is it we want to exact justice sometimes? Yet, we don't want God to do that to us when we step out of line, do we? Oh, they're not letting, they're not letting this tax collector up front. Hey, no, you get in the back. And he can't, can't see over him, so he climbs a tree. Maybe he's climbing to get away from a few people. I don't know, but he climbs a tree where he can see. And Jesus comes by. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What? You're coming to my place? 
I, I guess he was a single guy, otherwise it would have recorded that he had to call his wife and check first. <laughs> I mean, if he's smart. So he came down at once and welcomed them gladly. I say that because I have violated that principle in my own life and it wasn't always the best thing. I brought a guy in one time. I'd been gone a week to camp and I picked up a guy hitchhiking on the highway coming into Uvalde and... uh uh, he was needing a bus ride somewhere, but he'd been kind of homeless and he was kind of dirty or whatever. And so I bring him into the house. I just walk in the, to the apartment, knock on the door. I, I tell Susan, hey, I got somebody with me. And, uh, oh, you do? Yeah. And so I bring him in. I show him where the shower is. You can clean up, whatever. And so she's like, uh, now she's known, known me a little while by now, so she knows I do this kind of thing. So it, is he staying all night with us? Uh, this guy you just picked up on the highway said, no, no, he's not. He's just cleaning up. I'm taking him down to the bus station. So I, could, I could feel a, you know, a little bit of relief there, which, you know, uh, I've learned now to give a few minutes ahead of time prep on that kind of thing. It works out a little bit better for me. Visitor always seems to have a good time, but I need to make sure things are right. Hospitality. My wife has always been great at hospitality. And that tells somebody they're valuable. And Jesus says, I'm going to your house. Jesus goes to his house, but instead of Zacchaeus hosting it, it's like it's flipped. And Jesus is like hosting it, and Zacchaeus is the guest in his own house. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to the guest, to be a guest uh, of a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here. And now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Do the math on that one. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this, uh, this man too is a son of Abraham. He's a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Here's a wealthy man that has all the right responses to the king and gets in on the kingdom. Repentance, humility, I want to do the right thing. I want to make things right. Just, just t- tell me what to do, Jesus. I'm ready. You see a little contrast between this wealthy guy and the wealthy guy before? Zacchaeus didn't claim to do, keep all the commandments and do everything right. He knew he was a sinner. Everybody around him knew he was a sinner. And everybody around him knew he cheated and got his wealth in a bad way. And yet Jesus chose to go to his house. How many times are we're tempted to go to the one that looks good and looks like they got everything right instead of the one who was broken and messed up in life and doesn't have anything right? Which one of them do you want your kid running around with? I'm not advocating you encourage your teen to run with bad people. I am advocating you t- teach your teen how to reach out to bad people and bring them into your house. 
We need to have a different mentality. It's not about protecting. It's about providing. Providing a message of the kingdom of God. And that our values are different from the values of the world. And the king's value is different. And it's intimately linked to how children are received and children receiving the kingdom and we receiving the kingdom like children receive. And what does that mean? That the pride people, they go away and they're sad. And in the world, they look very successful. You know, uh, I understand what people say. I'm just going for the American dream. But I'm telling you, sometimes going for the American dream might be a very difficult thing to do when you're trying to go for the kingdom of God. You better make sure it doesn't get in the way. Because they don't have the same values. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm in corporate. I'm making money. I, I, I'm, you know, it's a rat race. And you know what? If you win the rat race, you're still just a rat. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, the kingdom of God, Jesus, topsy-turvy, he turns the values upside down. And all of a sudden, think about it. He says things like, blessed are the poor, the sad, those who mourn, the hungry, the insulted, and the persecuted. The world says... Hey, be rich, be happy, be fat, be well thought of, have no hard times and enjoy life. Which one of those are you going to pick? Make your values the values of the kingdom of God. The melody that's played... Or the thread that runs through this book continually contrasts the legalist, the down in life, the marginalized, the rich, the poor. It's not about the physical things. It's about the mentality. It's about an attitude. It's not about a group, a specific group of people. It's about an attitude and disposition. There's this contrast. Receiving children, denying children. So make sure when we walk out these doors and live life among other people, that we practice the values of the kingdom. Humility, understand, understand, be humble. Understand helplessness, because that's where we were and that's where we are in terms of saving ourselves. Understand heart. That God is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. And if we'll put our heart in the right spot, he'll keep taking care of us along the way. So I look at these rooms that uh, uh, these people I get to preach to in, in the two rooms here at our particular location as well as our live stream folks. And I see a room full of miracles. Because I've been here long enough to have seen your stories, to know your testimony, to watch some of your journeys. And God has 
brought you through all kinds of stuff and delivered you. Jesus did that. You didn't do it by your efforts. You did it because you finally responded like little children and said, Jesus, I, I can't feed myself. Could you? I have to totally 100% depend on somebody else. Can you take care of me? And in receiving and being receptive to the nourishment of Jesus, you spiritually grow and mature and become where you can also pass on those values to someone else. I was in Dallas this week. I drove over. I uh, visited Miss Barbara Shackford in the hospital and prayed with her and got to meet her son uh, in Plano earlier. It was a joy just to be with them for a little bit. And I thought about that family because that the whole Shackford family has been an imp- impact in my life. And uh, especially Luther, a particular time when I was low in my life, he took me aside and did some things for me. Uh, so I get the generational thing. It's important. Passing things down. Then I spent some time with an old friend of mine, Hank Bingham, who grew up at this church. And when I, when I baptized Hank in here in this baptistry, you know, Hank was pretty tall and he kind of floated on me. And so when I took him under, I hit his head on the wall. So he reminded me of that this week when I stopped visiting with him. So we talked about different things that had influenced. Hank didn't have a dad, and, and uh, so we were his dad, this church, the youth group. And to meet his kids and to watch that he, and to hear about how he's passed his faith on and their church and his activity in the church, it just thrilled my heart, you know. Visited with another young lady that... Uh, that I baptized when she was a teenager or out in Texas who went through a very difficult time and yet then, then uh, got, got into drug addiction and lost her children and came here and went through rehab and, 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 and uh, went through uh, transformations for a, a short time and then uh, got her life turned around and went back and she has her kids back, she has her house, she has a job. She's been clean and sober a good while now and, and, and to watch all of a sudden the seed is, you know, producing fruit then I was with a man for breakfast yesterday morning that uh, Susan and I converted him and his wife years ago and he's getting excited about what we're doing in one kingdom and I'm telling him about it and and this guy has a heart just has a great heart for missions his name's Steve to watch how his life changed from from a marriage that was almost totally lost now to, to faithfulness and kids serving the Lord. And uh, his, his first one that graduated high school is now at Harding University this year. And uh, to watch him pass that faith on to that next generation, pass those values on. And then I did a funeral, part of a funeral for a man named Wayne Ledoux, who had reached out to college students in Lafayette, Louisiana. When they lived there and influenced Tara, who is here, uh, Tara, part of our church family. Stacy Moore uh, had been a part of their lives. And many others had moved to Coffin. So when I go over there, he's a part of my church and they impact my life. And, and so at his funeral, all his, his uh, uh, nephews and, and uh, great nephews and others got up and a big family there. And they talk about him and the stories and his faith and and uh, all the things and the values that he's passed on through three generations.
Passing on the values of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was doing through every encounter with the children, the disciples, teaching him over and over again, with the rich young ruler, with the blind man, with Zacchaeus, trying to get all understand the values of the kingdom are so totally different than the values of the world. That's why you've got to listen to your Bible a lot more than you listen to the news station. And it sounds simple, but I'm telling you, if we don't get our information from the right place, our minds will be so messed up. And we'll worry about stuff halfway down the, around the world that we can do nothing about, and it'll get on our heart and mind burden us. Do not be burdened by things you can do nothing about. Don't you believe in a God that's sovereign, that takes care of the whole world? He ain't going to mess up. But he has given us something to do in the kingdom of God. Multiply disciples. Pass the values of the kingdom to other people. Be humble. Be helpful. Be heart-filled with the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. Bless us, Father, to have a clear vision of how you want us to act every day in life as your children. Bless us to reach out to the broken, Father, because we're all just broken ourselves. Forgive us when there's been the pharisaical legalism in our life. Forgive us of that. Forgive us for thinking we can make things happen. Forgive us for putting faith in doing instead of faith in what you did. Grant us a heart full of grace and understanding of who you are. As we journey with Jesus to Jerusalem. To see those great days coming quickly in his life through this study of Luke. Help us to understand what it really means to follow him all the way to the cross. I thank you for this church. I love them so much. Thank you for their heart, for the broken. Help us to pass on the values of the kingdom of God from generation to generation. We pray this with the help of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. If you have a need, come today where we stand and what we sing.